The Reflection BGRT capability requires 510k clearance. This feature is not available for sale. Opinions expressed by guests in this podcast are the independent views of these speakers. Can combinations between external beam radiotherapy and modern systemic therapy improve outcomes for cancer patients? I am Torsten Melcher, Chief Business Officer for Reflection. Today, we will be discussing how combinations between modern systemic therapy, in particular targeted therapeutics and immunotherapies, can potentially improve outcomes for cancer patients in combination with external beam radiotherapy. And we will also touch how reflection could potentially collaborate with pharmaceutical companies to improve those treatment modalities. I'm very happy to be joined by Giovanni Salvaggi, a pulmonologist by training who spent a lot of time at various large pharma companies and most recently in the biotech industry as a drug development executive. Giovanni worked a lot on kinase inhibitors for non-small cell lung cancer and also in different other aspects of uh, lung cancer research and development. Giovanni also serves as our principal medical advisor for our collaboration uh, with Merck to test Merck's PD-1 inhibitor pembrolizumab in combination with external beam radiotherapy. So thanks for joining me, Giovanni. For those who don't know you that well, can you please provide a little bit of an overview of your background and your expertise? Yes, of course. Uh, nice being here with you, Torsten. Uh, and uh, as a background, uh, I'm a pulmonologist, uh, of course, uh, a medical doctor, graduated in uh, Italy, the University of Torino, and uh, went straight into a residency in uh, respiratory medicine. And uh, of note, in, back in Europe, uh, the uh, expert of an organ, the specialist, would treat the corresponding cancer. So my career as, as a clinician developed uh, right away as a lung cancer doc. I was involved from the beginning in uh, clinical trials and literally testing uh, experimental drugs in my practice, of course, within the, the frame of clinical trials. That long tenure of uh, clinical trials uh, as an investigator brought me very close touch and collaboration with pharmaceutical companies to the point that 10 years ago, I decided to jump into a leadership role in uh, pharmaceutical industry. And all these 10 years of experience brought me to a leadership uh, position as chief medical officer at Excovery uh, that develops an uh, ALK inhibitor for lung cancer and uh, just recently released uh, positive data in a phase three study. So very late stage uh, clinical development and you know, a relevant position for me um, being in charge of the whole development uh, part. Excellent. Thank you so much, Romani. It's great to be talking to somebody with that extent of experience, both in the big pharma industry, as well as in the biotech industry, and both on kind of those types of, of therapies where we want to dive a little deeper, namely the targeted therapeutics and, and immunotherapy. 
in particular in lung cancer, the options for patients with metastatic, so stage four lung cancer, are somewhat limited. You, as an expert, can you tell us a little bit more about what, what is the current treatment if a patient gets diagnosed with stage four lung cancer? Um, yes. Uh, first of all, compared to when I started 20 years ago, when the, the, the sort of the uh, mainstay of treatment was uh, relying only on, let's say, old fashioned chemotherapy, um, we identified a few uh, subgroups of patients where the cancer is driven by specific mutations. So the, the, the standard of care for the treatment of uh, stage four lung cancer is actually uh, driven now by uh, a, a sort of uh, biological ID of the cancer where we, we need to get a biopsy and understand if there is any molecular driver behind uh, the cancer. So uh, when you identify a specific driver, there is some of those are so-called druggable. So that there, there is actually a drug that has been developed or is in development uh, to target that specific mutation. Uh, and, and in that case, um, the standard of care now has replaced the first line chemotherapy that we used in the past. So when there is a drug that hits a specific target, the standard of care is on that drug. And I'm talking about the EGFR mutations and the ALK mutations, and now recently the C, uh, MET, so with the MET uh, exon 14 skipping mutation. So we have those sort of targeted agents that are the standard of care. For all the uh, uh, none, we call them now non-mutant nosmocellan cancer. The, the, the cornerstone of treatment is still chemotherapy-based. Um, however, recently a flurry of immunotherapies got approved for lung cancer, but um, in specific subsets where there is a sort of a high immune activation in the cancer, you can afford to treat the patient with immunotherapy alone. Uh, but the best data are still now relying on the combination of immunotherapy plus chemotherapy. And potentially in the near future, uh, chemo will go back into these protocols uh, more and more so because again, the control of the cancer is not optimal anyway. We did some great strides forward in the treatment of lung cancer, but still we don't really cure almost any patient in long term. Right. So for our listeners, if you had to sort of on a on a very high level give a little bit the expectations that, that patients have to look at with a stage four uh, lung cancer diagnosis, what, what what is sort of on average maybe the overall survival for mutation positive uh, and mutation negative patients? Well, the, 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 the mutation positive, having a specific target that we can uh, control, uh, the, the survival has been uh, recently been prolonged quite a bit. So for in the ALK space, uh, we're looking at uh, life expectancy of around seven, eight years. And uh, very similar to that um, is the story of EGFR mutations. The patient that I do not have a mutation, 
uh, normally life expectancy with chemo alone used to be around year and a half or two, so uh, very disappointing. Um, and when we talk in a, look at it a different way, we're looking at maybe 10, 15% of patients alive at five years. But now recently with immunotherapy, uh, we start seeing some, what we call uh, technically a plateau of these survival curves, meaning we start see a fraction of patients that uh, have their cancer controlled for a long time that cautiously we call their, we say that they are cured. Um, and that is probably around 15%, one five uh, of patients that do respond to immunotherapy, we can consider them cured. So again, uh, I think talking about average uh, in this case is not the best way to look at the whole picture. Otherwise it's more disappointing. I think there is some clusters that achieve uh, incredible improvement uh, in the recent years compared to the past, but overall probably still the survival for lung cancer in five years could be less than 20%. Right. So it is still um, a very severe situation for, for patients to get that, that diagnosis. And, and obviously that is one of the reasons that, that we are so interested in, in that field as well. Very interesting, Giovanni. And it, it feels like that this whole theme of precision medicine is finally starting to take off. And, and I think one component in there might be liquid biopsies. Um, Two tests are now FDA approved. Can you give us a little bit your perspective on it and, and maybe also how it is becoming relevant for radiation oncology? Yes, Thorsten, uh, this really connects the fact that uh, it's really hard to get hold of the cancer uh, with traditional treatments. And so we must include uh, all the available technology nowadays uh, and, and use other fields even to, to, of expertise and technique to, to help us uh, get a better understanding of, of how a cancer behaves. And liquid biopsy is just one of those that um, it is taking advantage of the fact that cancers do shed some cells or some free DNA uh, of their cells in, in the blood. And now we are able to uh, profile the, uh, the, the genetic uh, information of the cancer, even on a very small quantity, potentially even a single cell uh, that we find in the blood. So that's uh, what's behind the fact that a couple of those uh, got approved. Um, so the, the, the easiest way to uh, um, use this this new technology is simply detect the circulating tumor DNA. So this genetic material of the cancer and then understand uh, which type of cancer is this genetic material defining and therefore choosing the right treatment for that. And um, on top of that, uh, once you get this information, you can switch into a more quantitative approach where uh, you, you can monitor physically uh, with this liquid biopsies and analysis in the blood the, the amount of this genetic material 
that goes away, that gets reduced by the treatment, or at which point during the treatment, this material shows a, a cancer growth, or more importantly, a change in the cancer uh, genetic profile so that we can pivot and, and, uh, and adjust the treatment and choose a better one. Right, very interesting. Giovanni, do you feel that, that this technology might also, like many others do, first establish itself in medical oncology and then maybe find its applications in radiation oncology as well? I don't see this as uh, such a clear-cut uh, separation. I think uh, medical oncology, radiation oncology, they are part of one science that is uh, targeting cancer and has the same objective in controlling cancer. And um, although one is coming out of uh, uh, use of drugs and the other one, radiation oncology, is using a device, the, the, the end result is destroying cancer cells. So I think the two uh, are by nature uh, complementary and um, also should align and in following the same rules uh, in their quest to control cancer. Uh, so, so yes, I mean, the, the, like I said, the, the, by using radiation oncology, uh, you try to reduce the cancer burden and then you can monitor this with a liquid biopsy. And uh, absolutely, that, that's applicable uh, and even makes it even easier to monitor the efficacy of radiation oncology, if that was your question. But yes, I can, I see, as a clinician, I see both medical and radiation oncology contributing to one common goal. Right. No, very interesting, very insightful. So how, how do you see the radiation oncologist uh, contributing to treating patients with metastatic cancer today? And how may that evolve in the future? Yeah, yeah I, I, I like, Thorsten, your analogy with liquid biopsy and, and my interpretation of the fact that this is technology applied to oncology. And then again, here I would say for radiation oncology and reflection is the best example, we, we, we can see how technology can improve and expand the role of um, radiation oncology. Uh, because the new machinery and the new software can uh, allow us to, to uh, integrate the radiation oncology much earlier in the treatment algorithm than before. In the past, radiation oncologist was just a palliation. Uh, in, I'm talking about lung cancer, for example, but in most uh, tumor types, that's the case. And just reaching those cancer uh, localization where the surgeon couldn't go or whenever the patient could not tolerate chemotherapy. So it's been, yes, a support uh, to medical oncology, but I would say uh, more in the palliative sense without really uh, having a, a main role. Now, if the technology that, for example, Re Reflexion is uh, pursuing uh, would make it a, 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 an amazing uh, partner to uh, be introduced in our uh, 
sort of oncology decision uh, algorithm as early as possible. There was this sentence from uh, a lot of, uh, picked up by a lot of, um, of my colleagues that um, since we are not really sure what's the best way to treat cancer in the long term, we all agree that cancer should be hit harder and the hardest and the soonest. So when you have two good treatments, you wanna try your best treatment first. And uh, because the, the, the first punch is the one that makes the cancer probably more under control than, uh, than anything else. You may never have the chance because of the cancer can escape your treatment to test your second punch. So you wanna throw the first punch hard. And then in, if, if you have time, you throw also the second punch and the third. And, and so now radiation oncology should be thrown in uh, uh, in a combination scheme uh, with uh, the medical treatments to address this, this strong, strongest first punch. That's, that's the way I see it. Right, interesting, very interesting. So um, staying with the, with the analogy of, of the, the punches and, and maybe staying within your core interest area of uh, lung cancer and specifically non-small cell lung cancer. What would you imagine today and maybe at some point in the future be that first punch that is the strongest and that maybe has the best probability of controlling the cancer for a given patient? Well, this reminds me a bit of the past and, and the past always comes back and we should all learn from the past where we had those interesting multidisciplinary teams. And I remember looking at a cancer patient, uh, lung cancer patient in, in uh, my early days in the clinic in Italy, we were uh, having a, a team, like the surgeon was there, the radiation oncologist was there, the, the, the the, the oncologist was there and uh, we were all trying to do the most possible because all of us had a sense that each individual approach was not enough. So we, were, we started with the concept of doing chemo before surgery, then give it to the surgeon. And then after surgery, clean up with radiation, for example, where, where possible, because we all realized surgery was not enough as well, or only radiation or only chemo. So, I think we should go back to those days where, where we uh, try to combine available treatments, uh, respect safety for patients first. And because uh, the, the first thing of course is no harm and, 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 and combine treatments. Now we have this new wave of immunotherapy that is using the patient immune system to fight cancer, but the patient immune system is not strong enough to fight cancer by itself. It needs a help and the help comes from chemo. But also, uh, we need some quick uh, debulking, uh, so making the tumor smaller and, and precise hit on the tumor. And this can come from radiation oncology, for example. And that's where the reflection comes of help because as a technology that allows to be very precise and uh, therefore spare a lot of uh, toxicity that uh, old fashioned radiology was bringing. Uh, not radiology, radiation oncology. Uh, in the past, we were just throwing radiation in an area where the cancer was. Now we can, with the new biology-guided radiation treatment from reflexion, we can target 
exactly as precisely as possible the, the tumor lesion and sparing the surrounding uh, healthy tissues that, uh, and therefore be very safe. And since it's safe, be combinable with what the oncologist need to do and with his own treatments. And then, and then as well, let the patient have the immune system uh, help clean up the tumor because of course in the past the toxicity from radiation could be even immune suppressive for the patient but now it's not uh, to the point that actually the inflammation by hitting the tumor with some radiation can make the tumor more visible to the immune system and then the chemo comes in and helps both radiation and immunotherapy to clean up so I, I see uh, we all have the the, the the, the, um, the duty to, to the responsibility to combine these treatments and get the best uh, for the patients um, at this stage. Right. So it sounds like very often the best therapy, maybe all of them. Yes. And, and again, in the past, we used to sequence treatments because of uh, logistic limitations and resources. And we were just going step by step and administering one type of treatment, then another type and look at how it worked. Now with more understanding of the biology of the cancer, we understand that there is uh, not only a logistic convenience uh, that is more possible, but also a scientific basis for a synergistic uh, effect by combining treatments. So it's not just getting them done quicker and at the same time, because now the facilities allow for that, but and in the past they didn't. But specifically, we, we have evidence that combining treatments is synergistic. So uh, I think uh, we definitely need to uh, go more and more towards that personalized treatment. So we used to consider all patients with lung cancer, lung cancer patients, but now we understand that the lung cancer of each patient has the genetic profile of that person. And the same way we approach each, each individual as unique because of his, his, his her personality. Now it's the same with that patient's cancer that is genetically different and is part of the patient. So we need to personalize, assess how fit is the patient, which treatments should be picked and how they should be combined together. Uh, and one thing that, for example, impacts uh, the choice of radiation oncology is the, the localization of, uh, and the number of localizations of uh, the cancer. In the past, we used to just divide patient with spread cancer versus the patient that could get surgery with localized cancer. Now, it's important if the patient is, has a spread out cancer, with five lesions or seven lesions, or where are the lesions, liver versus brain, for example. And because we have the tools and the precision tools, like for example, the biology guided radiotherapy from reflection that can hit specific um, areas of the body or specific lesions, um, which had important limitations in the past. And now this new technology overcomes that. So I, I just see combined versus sequenced. So rather upfront as much as we can do for that specific patient. It will be more 
complicated to have come up with a protocol that fit for all. You know, it just one size fits all. Uh, we leave it to those baseball caps. Well said, Giovanni. What an interesting analogy. So thank you again so much for your time today. We really enjoyed hearing from you about combinations of systemic therapy and the potential of combining that with external beam radiotherapy.